0: When God made man, he said it wasn't good that he would, what, be alone, and he would make a helper or help meet for him, right? Someone that would um, help him in his duties, and uh, a lot of times it's my wife. Most people, they don't know me, but they know my wife, they see her ASI or different places, and... Usually I'm the one behind the scenes trying to fix some computer thing, but uh, it's, it's been a real blessing to have it uh, in the reverse or, <laughs> well, I guess that's not reverse, but you know what I mean, it's different. And I really appreciate the work she's doing. You know, sometimes you see somebody speaking or doing something and you, you don't realize that there's a lot behind the scenes that's taking place. You know, I was uh before we get started I've been having some little bit of skin problems lately and don't really want to go into all the details of it but I think it might be related a little bit to uh I've been trying to stay away from gluten stuff. I don't want to give you all my theories about the cause of that. <laughs> I'm sure you probably have some good ideas. But um, I tried putting on this stuff. It said, aloe vera, 100% gel, pure. Oh, that'll work good. And I put it on, and it stung. I was like, wait a minute. Why is it stinging? I've I've put on aloe vera before. It didn't sting me. Well, it says, aloe vera, 100% gel, Pure. Sounds like 100% aloe vera, doesn't it? Well, maybe they meant 100% gel. (laughs) I looked in the ingredients in the back and there's a whole bunch of little things in there that I can't read unless I had a magnifying glass. And I don't know what they are anyway. Preservatives, I guess. But, you know, I thought there's a lesson in that for us. You know, we have to investigate things. You know, in the Bible... Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Paul was commending those in Berea. He said uh, they were different than those in Thessalonica because what? They searched the Scriptures to see whether those things were so. And it's a good idea for us to do that not only in the products, the food, uh, just anything in life, but even, well, more important, spiritual things. And uh, I need to... I want to clarify something because I'm on TV, you know, what do you call it, the internet. And there could be thousands of people watching and I don't want to have anything come back and uh, people say I said something. And and actually, I did say something when I was talking about the history on the very first night, talking about Josiah, no, Joseph, Josiah Litch, somebody help me? Thank you. I, I get mixed up with my history. And I mentioned that a lot of different denominations and people around the world were coming up with the same idea at the same time. Well, it wasn't exactly true. Nobody really called me on this, but as I was, I always go over my sermons in my mind afterwards, I realized that I, I had it off a little bit. What people were discovering was the idea that something big was going to take place around the year 1843, 1844. And that was happening around the world, not just with Josiah Litch and William Miller, but when Josiah Litch's prophecy about the fall of the Ottoman Empire, Turkey, the nation of Turkey, you've heard of them, when that came down to the day that he predicted, it gave impetus to all those others that were preaching at the same time frame. And it was a worldwide thing. It just wasn't like a couple people. That was my point. And I just wanted to clarify that in case anybody had any, you know... I'm watching sometimes the politics and the things that go on these days. They're pretty ruthless with, you know, if you make a mistake or say something, there's no, you know, they try and slam somebody. And it's important that we speak what we know and that we don't make mistakes, especially when we're handling the Word of God. And um, so, I, I'd appreciate it if you pray for me as, uh, as I speak. That uh, I don't make a mistake. I was, I've, in my mind, I've gone over the other sermons I've given, and I, I can't think of anything else that I said that was incorrect. If I have, somebody let me know, but, uh, and I'd appreciate it. I won't take it personally. But we're here to find the truth, amen? And we want to study it out. That's what the Bible tells us. We want to be like the Bereans and make sure we know what we know. When I was holding evangelistic meetings, we used to have this question and answer period. I was always kind of afraid of that, in case somebody popped up some question I didn't know the answer to. Um, But we usually remedied that by handing out cards and things, and people would turn them in and get most of the questions beforehand and get a chance to look them up. And uh, I had a question that came in this morning. Somebody was asking me about how to know God's will, you know, how to hear God's voice. How do we know, you know, turning to the left and the right. That's a big study and you could could have a a sermon on it, but I just want to share one text with you and for that person especially, John 14, 26. Go with me to John 14 and verse 26. The Bible says, in these words, if you have a Bible with the... Words in red, you know what that means? Those are the words of Jesus. It says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And as I've been a Christian and going about my day and learning more and more about the Scriptures and getting them in my mind, certain situations pop up and all of a sudden, the Bible verse will pop into my mind. I remember one, of the t- one time I was driving down the road in California, and uh, it's a lot different than driving in other parts of the country, probably pretty similar to Texas though. Um, speed limits on some of these roads in Texas are a lot different than uh, uh, Washington or Oregon. Uh, some of the highways in Oregon, you, you got to go 55 on, and some of the backcountry roads in Texas, yeah, <laughs> well, you know what I'm talking about. But in California, I was driving down the road. and. I was going the speed limit, and somebody was just right behind me, pushing me to go faster and faster. And I was kind of irritated that day, and uh, I had this thought in my mind: Should we follow every thought that comes to our mind? <laughs> it, it's like they're too close; they're driving me crazy. Let me—maybe I should just put my foot on the brake and, you know, tell them to stop what they're doing. But a verse popped into my mind. Turned with me to Psalms 37. And you never know, these type of things can save your life. You've heard of road rage and different things that happen when people are behind the car. Psalm 37 verse 8, "'Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil.' For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. And you know what? I thought, fret not thyself at any wise to do evil. You mean I could be worried about something enough that it would cause me to do something evil, and then I would be cut off right with the rest of the wicked. That was a sobering thought. All this happened in just a few seconds as I was driving down the road, and by God's grace, I just took my foot off the gas and slowly pulled over into the kind of half the gravel, half the road, and let the person drive by. And then I got back on the road. And uh, that's how it works. That's how it works for me, anyway. And I'm sure many of you have similar stories. But um, God is good. And now it's time to begin with the last meeting. I've sure been blessed being out here. I received a blessing from the meetings, the devotions, the, the prayer time, and I only wish I could have attended more. Hopefully, I'm going to get to be able to get a copy of some of these things. I wanted to learn about a lot of things, the soil, honeybees, well, maybe I'll just have to come to the next one and get to sit through them. And uh, anyway, maybe put them on the internet, people can listen or something. Well, let's begin with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we just thank You for this past Sabbath that You gave us, time of rest and renewal. We sense that Your Spirit has been here with us in this conference. We thank You for all the people that came and supported it and helped in so many ways, all the people behind the scenes. and We pray now that You'll be with us in this last um, uh, evening topic. We pray that You'll speak through me. Help me to speak Your words and not my own words, and help me to somehow encourage people in following You and Your truths, and sharing what You've done for my family and I. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be sharing some more things about our farm and our life and what God has done for us, and um, I want God to be lifted up. I don't want to share too much about ourselves, but at the same time, when you see God working, you, got it. you can show. A picture is worth a thousand words. And um, anyway, here we go. The life of the husbandman of all others is the most delectable. It is honorable. It is amusing. And with judicious management, it is profitable. George Washington. To see Plants rise from the earth and flourish by the superior skill and bounty of the labor fills a contemplative mind with ideas which are more easy to be conceived than expressed. There's wisdom for those that hold the plow, amen? Go with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 11, Proverbs chapter 11, In verse 24 and 25, we're going to be talking about truest charity today. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. And I can tell you, as I've been to these meetings, I've come here to try and share some of the living water that God has given to us, and I've been watered greatly, and it's been a blessing. There's a problem in the world that seems to be getting greater. It's called poverty, and many politicians, people are searching for answers to poverty. They're trying to figure out how to help the poor, and they're perplexed. They don't know what the real answer is, but you know the Bible, the spirit of prophecy gives us We've got advantages that the rest of the world doesn't have. And it has to do with country living and it has to do with farming, that's the answer. Evangelism, page 78 and 79 says, as God's commandment keeping people, we must leave the cities as did Enoch, but we must work in the cities but not dwell in them. There are large-hearted men and women who are anxiously considering the condition of the poor and what means can be found for their relief. How the unemployed and the homeless can be helped to secure the common blessing of God's providence and to live the life He intended man to live is a question which many are earnestly endeavoring to find answers to, to find an answer. But there are not many, even among educators, statesmen, and statesmen who comprehend the causes that underlie the present state of society. Those who hold the reins of government are unable to solve the problems of poverty, pauperism, and increasing crime. They are struggling in vain to place business operations on a more secure basis." Ministry of Healing, page 183, it says they're struggling in vain. If that ever was a realistic story, it is today. And what about people in poverty? Are people, more people out of work today? Yeah, we have the official government statistics, but they have been changed quite a bit. And I would venture that the real numbers are much higher. If men would give more heed to the teachings of God's Word, they would find a solution of these problems that perplex them. Much might be learned from the Old Testament in regard to the labor question and the relief of the poor. God's solution to the poverty problem. What is it? A home on the land? Ground for tilling? Useful trade in industrial pursuits? In Israel, industrial training was regarded as a duty every father was required to teach his sons, some useful trade. The greatest men in Israel were trained to industrial pursuits. A knowledge of the duties pertaining to housewifery was considered essential for every woman. And skill in these duties was regarded as an honor to women of the highest station. Various industries were taught in the schools of the prophets, and many of the students sustained themselves by manual labor. Ministry of Healing, pages 185 and 186. There's a lot of things that we do on our farm that we do by choice. We could do a lot easier and maybe somewhat more economically, but we do for other reasons because I want to teach our children trades, skills, things that they can take with them. Also, we're trying to discover the things that they like. <clears throat> Honorable wifery Is that how you say that? Or wifery. An orderly home invites angels. An inviting home gives a man incentive and buoys up his spirits. And by the way, men, it's not just the woman's job. The men are there. It to support his wife and pick up the slack and pick up and help when she's overwhelmed honorable housewifery gives a man health and strength for hard work a virtuous woman the bible says in proverbs 12:4 says is a crown to her husband what is the truest charity Real charity helps men to help themselves. If one comes to our door and asks for food, we should not turn him away hungry. His poverty may be the result of misfortune, but a true bene- beneficence means more than mere gifts. It means a genuine interest in the welfare of others. We should seek to understand the needs of the poor and distressed and to give them the help that will benefit them the most. To give thought and time and personal effort cost far more than merely to give money but it's the truest charity. Those who are taught to earn what they receive will more readily learn it, or learn to make the most of it. And in learning to be self-reliant, they are acquiring that which will not only make them self-sustaining, but will enable them to help others. Teach the importance of life's duties to those who are wasting their opportunities. Show them that the Bible religion never makes men idlers. Christ always encouraged industry. Why stand ye here all the day idle? He said to the indolent, "I must work while it is day. The night cometh where no man, when no man can work." Matthew twenty, verse six, and John nine, four. We may give to the poor and harm them by teaching them to be dependent. Such giving encourages selfishness and helplessness. Often it leads to idleness, extravagance, and intemperance. No man can earn his own livelihood, who can earn his own livelihood, has a right to depend on others. The proverb, "The world owes me a living." have you heard that a lot has its essence in the falsehood in, has in it the essence of falsehood, fraud, and robbery. The world owes no man a living who is able to work and gain a living for himself. Minister of healing pages. 195. Where lies the need of truest charity? Those struck by misfortune, either by birth or by accidents, or just the circumstances that they're caught in, city dwellers, almost no opportunities in many places. Those lacking the training and the motivation to work. After a life of living a certain way, you can't just plop them on the farm and expect them to immediately know how to work. We've heard testimonies about that from uh, people working at schools in Fresno and other places during these meetings. I loved hearing the testimonies of the farm managers and about the way the Lord was leading them to be patient with the people and help them step by step in the victories that the people were getting. Was that encouraging? and those living nearest, even in our own homes. How do we give? What's the truest charity? Well, certainly, some people are going to require money. Some people, to get out out onto the land or uh, into a farm, they're going to need help. I heard a wonderful testimony this afternoon how a family decided that God was calling them to move out, and they did everything they could possibly do, even turning off the lights and lighting candles, turning off the cell phones, and God worked a miracle. Is that good? We have our work to do, and God has His work where we can't, and we can do the same. And you know, God will give you wisdom on how to do these kind of things to help people. I didn't quite get all my slides... Couple short. I don't need to read all this, but I'm just going to pair. Well, the arrangements did not, however, wholly do away with poverty. It was not God's purpose that poverty should wholly cease. It is one of His means for the development of character. The poor, He says, shall never cease out of the land. Therefore, I command thee, saying, Thou shalt open thy hand wide unto thy brother, to thy poor, and to thy needy in the land. When you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field. When thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field, and hast forgotten a sheaf in the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. When thou beatest thine olive tree, thou shalt not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the stranger, and for the fatherless, and for the widow. We've had many times at our farm where we've had people come in that were living in the country, but they were in pretty dire situations, and we let them just come in and pick for free. We could have given them strawberries or something like that, but it's better for them to get out there and get the exercise too, move their arms around. And um, anyway, so if you don't have strawberries on your farm or your garden, you might want to get some. And not just to go and give to all your neighbors, which it's good to give, but have some people come over. Have them work with you. You'll get to talk to them about things. They'll talk to you about things. And it'll be a missionary project in more ways than one. None need fear that their liberality would bring them to want. Obedience to God's commandments would surely result in prosperity. For this thing, God said, the Lord shall bless thee in all thy works, and all that thou puttest thine hand unto. Thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not borrow. And thou shalt reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over thee. Deuteronomy 5 and 6. I'm sure some of you have proved this already. This is uh, we brought our sawmill out to this family, you know, it'd be a lot cheaper to just go and buy two-by-fours and, and things like that than have a sawmill. We have a chainsaw mill, but it's not really what you think. When I say chainsaw mill, people usually think of the Alaska mill, you know, you put it on a ladder and… well, it's kind of a… it takes a long time to cut boards that way. But if you're going into Alaska, into the bush… You don't want to haul. You can't haul a huge mill, but you can haul an Alaska mill and a chainsaw. Our mill is a little bit different. It kind of runs down this rail, keeps the the uh, the blade in there, and you just roll the logs in. It works really well. My point is not telling you all about the mill, but the fact that uh, we got it so that we could teach our boys something. We have lots of trees on our property all they need is nails now and they can build anything. Just get the chainsaw out, make some boards, and we can make a shed. The The mindset of our boys is whatever problem we run into, we just solve it and we do it. And uh, they're always coming up, oh, well, now they're starting to say, well, we'll just build an excavator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that good of a mechanic. But uh, th- this uh, friend of my wife's I don't know if you've heard about the bad forest fires we had, but wiped out thousands of acres near us. And we went over there. We took our chainsaw mill over there and we're able to uh, help them build a small place to live in. They're determined to live out of the cities. They, they see what's coming and they want to be uh, prepared and have a garden. And we helped them build a, uh, a woodshed and also a pole barn. And this is the mother of... Uh, a young couple with, a, I don't have a picture of them, they were out doing something, but um, the couple who owned this place. We could have just given them money but, um, to go buy the wood, but it's good to spend time with people. We had a lot of great spiritual discussions. They were Christians, just like us. He that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he, Proverbs fourteen twenty three. Shall not the cities be warned? You know, so many times when you live in the country these days, or you or people think about leaving the country or living in the country and they see all the things going on in the world, they say, But how are we going to minister to people? You ever heard that before? I've heard that a lot. And that's one of the reasons why I'm showing you a lot of these things is because we live way out. Yet we're able to reach the people in the city. Take your families away from the cities is my message. We should plan our work. What? Plan our work. Take thought. In such a way as to keep our young people as far as possible from this contamination. The cities are to be worked from outposts, said the messenger of God. Shall not the cities be warned? Don't you like that when the most common objection is answered so plain in the spirit of prophecy? Yes, not by God's people living in them, but by their visiting them to warn them of what is coming upon the earth. Country living, page 30. There goes the most common excuse for not living in the city. Uh, Sorry, not living in the country. You can correct me if I get my tongue tied. We've uh, held uh, vacation Bible schools all over the country. This one was in Northern New England Conference, Portland, Maine, We've done trainings all over the country, all over the world. This is Lisa and Annalisa. Here we go. We were at the General Conference in San Antonio, Texas, trying to get out materials to help uh, missionaries all over the world to be able to reach the children with the Three Angels messages. By the way, we, when we hold an evangelistic meeting, we try to teach the children in conjunction with the adults. So, if the adults are learning the United States and Bible prophecy, guess what the children are learning? United States and Bible prophecy. We've had people say, what? What are you talking about? Well, all I can say is taste and see. What about the Antichrist revealed? We call that one the horn of our salvation. It's all about Jesus as the horn of our salvation. He has the power to save us, but as uh, Jesus as a young boy… looking through the prophecies of Daniel, he discovers, uh uh-oh, he knows Satan's going to try and do something. He's going to bring about an imposter to try and stop this, another little horn. Let's discover who that little horn is. And the whole topic of the Antichrist revealed revolves all around Jesus. And so this is what we try to teach people how to do. It was a blessing being at the uh, general conference. We got to meet conference presidents from Greece and uh, all different countries around the world. And uh, it was so exciting to pray with them, to hear how the work is going, to share with them, uh, get materials to them. Lisa, before we were married, she went to Africa in, I think it was Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe. And she held a training there for a large number of uh, children's leaders. And Caroline Choila, she was one of the leaders that was president at that time, but now she's a leader of like uh, half of Africa. And so Lisa and her were happy to reunite there at the meetings. We went to Bangkok, Thailand a few years back, and we trained. Uh, it was at the time that they had a workers' meeting, and all the pastors came in for their normal yearly meetings. And we were able to train all the pastors and their wives at once about how to teach the three angels' message to children, not leaving anything out. And at the same time, well, we we were really busy there. We uh, ended up holding four evangelistic meetings simultaneously. We'd kind of have breakfast together, and Lisa would go off, and I would go off and hold a meeting, and then we'd do another meeting, then we'd come back at night, and working on, kind of like today, getting our slides done to the last minute, getting things translated, and uh, do it again the next day. So, we, we did four meetings a, a day around Thailand in Bangkok with Lisa. Oh, well, in addition to that, we uh, filmed a program on how families can lead their children to Christ, how they can have family worship in their home, and it was recorded in Thai. They, they ended up doing a voiceover for Lisa in Thai, and uh, so we're trying to do a lot of different things. The point of me showing you all this is that you can live in the country and you can work the cities. Amen. It's a little bit harder for some, I know. There's pastors here, and uh, but God can even help if you have a city church. He can help a pastor find a place. That's a cozy little piece of heaven, yet close to his place where he's got to work. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel: I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. Isaiah forty-eight seventeen. Have you experienced that? Do you need to have your farm make a profit? There's nothing wrong with making a profit. You need to. How are you going to give offerings? How are you going to support the work if you don't make a profit? Wouldn't you like to be able to support more? Ask the Lord to teach you and lead you in the way that thou shouldest go. Not that you can withhold a bunch because if you withhold too much, what does it do? Tends to poverty. Your taxes go up. The more land you get, the more taxes you have. You know... There's a lot of benefits, a lot of benefits to living in the country. Besides, we're living like kings and queens. It's good to be a berry farmer, I can never buy all these berries. <laughs> there's other benefits, there's my boy on an ATV. Go with me to Isaiah 58, Isaiah 58 and verse 13. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor Him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasures, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to, what? Ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Every time I go up high up in the mountains cutting firewood and overlooking the valley down below where our farm is. And we're the last house. You can't really see anything else. And uh, I always think, wow, look what the Lord's done. He said, if we do these things, He's going to cause us to ride upon the high places of the earth. Now, I don't know if that verse really applied to riding the ATV up in the mountains and on logging trails. But to me, I take it to mean that. And, I, and we enjoy our lifestyle out there and uh, it gives us a chance to recharge and recuperate so we can go and do more efforts for God's people and God's people who don't even know they're yet God's people, if you know what I mean. I had an experience once that uh, I was on the way to get some training about installing satellite dishes, and uh, as I went early in the morning on the way to that uh, meeting, I saw the, just the most terrible thing. I saw a fawn, and he had tried to cross a, a barbed wire fence, but he didn't make it across the fence, and uh, he was hung up right here, behind, uh, his hips and his rear legs, and um, he was alive still, and he was trying to get off, and he, and he couldn't get off, and in the distance I saw his mother. And she was looking and she saw, you know, the car come by with me in it and, and I stopped and got, opened up the door and got out and she backed off and I could tell she was afraid and the little deer, you know, fawn looked back at me, it was afraid. I wasn't trying to hurt them, I was trying to help them. And I came up to that little deer and tried to lift him off that fence so he could go on his way. And I'm, I'm sure the mother thought I was just going to, you know, destroy her little child. And uh, as I tried to get him off the fence, I couldn't get him off the fence. It had already cut into him, and, uh, and the, he was also struggling because he was afraid. I was there to help him, and he was moving around and trying to disentangle himself. And it was only making things worse. <clears throat> I tried uh, lifting again and again, and I didn't know what to do. I could see it was a, a real bad problem, and now my hands were getting full of blood. And it was a uh, an emotional experience, and as I was trying to lift them off, I just... I didn't know what else to do, I just tried to lift him off, and I just looked up to God and said, you know, I don't know if he even said anything, I just said, help me to get that little deer off, and um, I finally got him off, and, but he was cut so bad, I, he wasn't going to survive, and I was standing there looking at my hands, and I was thinking about what God did for us. He came down here, sent His Son, got His hands all full, of, all full of blood to save us. And like that, you know, little deer, we, we think that uh, God, when God comes into our lives and He's got to help us straighten some things out, we may be afraid. Other family members in the distance see something going on, they be, may be afraid when God's just trying to help us. I have something I want to read to you. You've probably read this before, but it's it's one of my favorite passages in the book Steps to Christ. It says, "Keep your wants, your joys, your sorrows, your cares, and your fears before God. You cannot burden Him. You cannot weary Him. He who numbers the hairs of your head is not indifferent to the wants of His children. The Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy." James five eleven, His heart of love is touched by our sorrows and even by our utterances of them. Take to Him everything that perplexes the mind. How many things that perplex your mind? Everything. Nothing is too great for Him to bear, for He holds up worlds. He rules over all the affairs of the universe. Nothing that in any way concerns our peace is too small for Him to notice you ever feel like you don't want to bother God with some things? I've had that thought cross my mind a lot. But it says nothing is too small for Him to notice. There is no chapter in our experience too dark for Him to read. There is no perplexity too difficult for Him to unravel. I wasn't successful with that deer. But you know, if you Wait patiently, call upon God, ask Him to deliver you. This says there is no perplexity too difficult for Him to unravel. Keep that in mind. If you're going to get into agriculture, if you're going to get into farming, you're going to have perplexities. You're going to have difficulties. And even if you don't in in your life, you're going to have these things. God wants to come into your life and He wants to unravel them. Will you invite Him into your life? I know most of you here already have or maybe have in the past, and maybe felt like you're further away than you once used to be. I'm not going to ask anybody to stand up or raise their hands, but I just want you to know that I think the Lord brought you here today. Maybe you're watching on the internet. He wants you to know that He brought you here because it's not too late for you. There's hope for you. God cares about you. He loves you so much, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. And He wants to disentangle you from your problems. And He wants you to be ready for His soon coming. And by His grace and power that He wants to give you, we can become children's sons and daughters of God. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse